Golden Guardians is a go. They just might be a contender. JNT and I will have to go over that in just a second. LEC format problems, maybe some solutions. Uh, now that we've gone through a full split of the LEC, we will definitely touch on that. We'll talk about the finals and such. And we got lots of LEC stuff today. And Cloud9, MNS making his debut. Lots to, to discuss. Uh, JNT, we have to start with Golden Guardians. They're on a tear, seven in a row. Are you buying? Are you buying the hype? Hmm. It's always weird to start like this. I want to say yes. I want to. Every fiber in my being wants to say yes. However, I can't help but notice the other top teams aren't looking that great right now. And maybe that's also just because they've been playing Golden Guardians and Golden Guardians has been beating them. And you can easily say that's an argument to why they should be considered the best team. But at the same time, like I just mentioned, I can't but help notice that FlyQuest isn't really looking as clean as they have been. Cloud9 even struggling a little bit. Obviously, MNS kind of like a tale of two different games with his debut. Um, one of those that first game was against Golden Guardians. And then EG also, uh, Jojo Pune going back to some some old ways there with the inting that he's doing. So they look like a top team and they look like one of the best teams in the league, but it's hard not to ignore the falters going on around them. Yeah, that is totally fair. I'm definitely willing to call them a contender. But there, there's a lot of like, well, let's slow down here because it's been three weeks of them playing good, right? When you say like, sure, they've won seven in a row, that sounds great. But if you say it like, well, they've only been playing really well for three weeks, that makes it a little bit, that's, that's a different way of looking at it, but I think still an accurate way of looking at it. So while I'm totally hyped up for this roster and I'm hyped up for Golden Guardians, maybe this doesn't continue much longer. That's totally possible. But I'm saying they're a contender. Are you saying they're contender, JNT, for the championship? I I think I am, yes. I think I am, but I'm hesitant to put them maybe at the front of that race. Yeah. The, okay, well, let's talk about why there's reasons to be hesitant. Let's talk. We've been talking to Elephant in the Room lately. The Elephant in the Room with this team is Licorice. Let's be honest. Um, this So their win streak is incredibly impressive because they're doing it in spite of their top laner. No offense to Licorice. Licorice has looked like a bottom of the barrel top laner this year, maybe of the league. Um, but they're winning in spite of that. That's what's actually so impressive about this is like the rest of Golden Guardians are playing so solid that it doesn't matter if their top laner is like kind of AFK. We saw in the game just this weekend, he was totally irrelevant uh against that was against eg and then he was almost the reason they lost he gets picked in the jungle they almost throw the game because of him so it's like not only is he not really helping much if we're being i mean we're being kind of harsh but i think truthful not only is he not really helping he's kind of hurting so yeah like, there's definitely some areas where it's like let's let's put the brakes on a little bit before we get too hyped you know i was kind of like half half jokingly last week talking about how like He's been on Renekton duty, and like that's a good thing for Golden Guardians. Just put him on Renekton, one of the most stable champions in the game. One that, you know, it's pretty easy not to lose, but you don't necessarily have to win if the rest of your team is kind of stomping the rest of the map. So it was a bit of a meme last week when I was saying Licorice on Renekton duty, that's a really good thing for Golden Guardians. But I think when you take him off this champion, you saw two examples this weekend where he is struggling in the majority of the matchups that he's playing. And I do in that game against Cloud9, Fudge was kind of getting the better of him in the lane. I know that that game wasn't really about the top lane. It was about, you know, sort of mid and bot lane. Um, so that was kind of like a bit of a non-factor in that game. But like you mentioned in the EG game, they almost lost that game because of him. And 
as you illustrate at the beginning, which I think is very important to point out, is they are winning these games in spite of him. And that still is a very big cause for concern, I think, going forward. Teams were able to blow the game open through the top side of the map, you know, or or even not teams that can do that. That should be a strategy that other teams should implement against them because of how we've seen Liquor struggle pretty much all year. Yeah, and I'm going to, maybe I shouldn't go here, but I'm going here anyways. I think it's time to consider a trade. Now, you might say, okay, who the hell do the, are they going to get in the top lane? And that's totally a fair concern. But if you think we have a chance to make a playoff run, that's something that's really rare for Golden Guardians, by the way. This doesn't happen very often where they get a shot to make a playoff push. And so then you got to ask the question, okay, well, who's available? Um, and there's not a lot of options. Remember, Golden Guardians, they have their two import slots taken up already in mid-jungle with Gorian and River. So. You could look at some academy top laners if teams are willing to trade them. I don't think there's anyone really there, honestly, so I don't think that's a way to go. And then there's two options in the LCS that I think are maybe not even likely, but we'll say possible. First one is is uh, Revenge. Now, Revenge had a much better start to the split, but I would say he's slowed down a lot recently. I think that he's not looking as good as he was just two or three weeks ago, and I think that's just a slight upgrade. To me... I think that's a little bit of a Band-Aid fix. Um, and I, well, I, I guess I, I think the top lane kind of needs surgery when you think about it that way. Um, I would look more towards Solo. Um, what does Solo do in this league? He is literally, his role has always been, for, since FlyQuest, hang out in lane, hold on, be relevant later. Isn't that exactly what Golden Guardians could use right now? Um, so I, I don't know if Solo would be available. I don't know if TSM would be willing to let him go. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself here on trade talks, but I think it's it's worth entertaining the idea if you are Golden Guardians management. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the, the, just to play a bit of devil's advocate here, you know, especially when we were talking about sort of the FlyQuest situation with Winsome and Ayla, like, do you swap out Winsome if FlyQuest keeps winning and they keep looking as good as they have been? And obviously they did end up swapping to Ayla, could be in part due to that TSM loss. I don't know. I don't think that really would have changed too much, but maybe they just think that Ayla is going to be better for the long term. And that's probably what they thought going into the season. But when you look at Golden Guardians right now, like you said, the options are limited. And as you were talking about possible LCS options, I was just going up and looking at all the NACL teams to see if any of those top laners would be options. And the only ones that I think could be, just looking at the list of all the 16 teams, would be. Uh, I just lost him. Hanser on TSM Academy or TSM Challenger. Which it's been a long time since we've seen him. Like, I wouldn't have confidence in him stepping back into the LCS and performing. Yeah, because what, last time we saw him was Season 10 Summer in the LCS? I mean... It was with Golden Guardians, though, wasn't it? It was, and I think both of... That's all that relevant, but anyways, continue. And he was still playing, you know, decent. Yeah. Um, The other ones that you could maybe do would be, like, Bradley from TL, because he's, like, a... That's I, I'm reaching here, and then the only other guys with LCS experience are Jenkins, Philip, and Fake God. And let's Not be honest here, like that's let's be honest here, kind of bottom of the barrel top laners when you if you want to slot them back into the LCS. Right, and so. But what I but what pickings. I will what I will say about it is I think maybe a trade for like a bit more of a developmental player or one who they think maybe we need to see this guy play a little bit before we actually want to submit on a full-time basis, maybe something, a move you could do for summer. Like, let's say 
or just yeah. hypothetical here. Golden Guardians, they, they falter somewhere in playoffs and Licorice is the reason they lose. You know, then maybe getting an academy guy from another team to potentially scrim with the team, practice with the team and, you know, be a six man roster, whatever you want to do going into summer, you could do that. But I would say that Golden Guardians should have a backup plan because if the way, if the things keep going the way they have been going with Licorice, I don't think you can have that type of player on a championship contending team. That's exactly it, right? There are like, God, there's countless reasons as to why this won't or shouldn't or couldn't happen. But to your point, like you're crazy if you're ignoring this problem that you have in the top lane. And I know it hasn't happened in the last seven games, evidently, but clearly eventually someone's going to be able to expose your top laner and take advantage. And it's going to start costing you games. I know right now it's bot lane meta and a lot of the games are decided on the other end of the map, but not all of them. And if you give a team a chance to get an advantage in just one lane, that is going to cost you. So that that's the reason why I think Golden Guardians need to look into it, even if it's incredibly unlikely that they can make something happen. Um, there was another point that I wanted to make. I'm losing my train of thought. Anyway, okay, I did want to ask you, though. So do you, you think they should go with the trade route then, if they have that option? Yeah, but like I said, potentially something to be a backup plan, uh, whether or not you want to replace, you know, your current challenger league top laner. I don't even who is who even is that? Like I don't know. I do it remember is, the point that it's I wanted concept. To make, I don't even I don't know anything about him, but yeah, I don't know much about him either. The the point that I the other point that I wanted to get to was you mentioned summer. To me, I think that's totally like, hey, we've only been playing really good for three weeks. I don't want to make a trade move until I know that this team is actually solid for more than three weeks. I wouldn't mind if they said, hey, let's wait until summer as well. That would be that would be an option I think makes more sense because not everyone is going to mesh with the team, right? Not everyone – you want to give someone time to mesh with the team as well. And so I, that's another issue. If you just bring in someone last second, there's no for sure – like we saw what happened when they brought in River last year. That was a nightmare. I mean, turned out great in the long run, but just being thrown into a new team, that could end up in pure disaster, and you could kind of ruin what you've got going for yourself right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, aside from trade talks and and any potential for a trade, this team's looking pretty damn good, man. Gory's looking great. River Player of the Week. Stixay was Player of the Week last week and also looked great this weekend. Who he's been like, they look solid, man. So I, I'm trying to temper my own expectations here because I'm getting excited about Golden Guardians. Yeah, well, if if you had to rank him right now, where would you put him? I think I would still put them number two. I think I would still put them behind FlyQuest, but I will say FlyQuest hasn't looked the greatest. Like, FlyQuest has looked really good this whole split long. I would say they looked better two or three weeks ago than they had in the past couple. Yeah, I, I'd probably put them around two, maybe three. I mean, it's hard to even put somebody like Cloud9 or EG over them, considering Golden Guardians just beat them. Like, those are the two teams they played this week. The only thing that I will say is, I mean, we'll get to this, we'll get to Cloud9 a little bit later, but... I don't think the MNS that we saw in the Golden Guardians game is indicative of what he's going to look like in the LCS for the rest of the year. I know that he did pretty openly talk about before and after the game that he was like super, super nervous. So whatever that had to do with anything, I don't know. But let's just say he was running it down in that Golden Guardians game. Okay, let, let's start getting into some of the other teams then. But before we do, just a reminder, if you're enjoying the content, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, leave a comment, hit the like button. That stuff helps us a lot. Make sure to do that.
uh, let's start getting into the other teams. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Fly since we're kind of, or rather C9 since we're kind of talking about them? Or do you want to do FlyQuest? What do you want to do? I mean, I guess we'll go, we'll go to Cloud9. It makes sense as I was just talking about them. Um, yeah. Okay, you mentioned that MNS was different with one uh, in one game than the other. What is your concerns with MNS and how he might look different in some games or how Cloud9 might look different? Well, uh, well, I guess the point that I was trying to illustrate was more that I think that Cloud9 is not going to look like they did against Golden Guardians because MNS is not going to, you know, be dying so much and be making a lot of mistakes. You know, admittedly, he made a ton of mistakes in that first game. Like positioning was a big, big issue throughout that entire game. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily super lane dominant either. Not to say that he had the most influential, you know, champion in the whole game playing Victor into Silas. Pretty basic and common counter matchup. So... Um, but you look at the game against, who did they play? Uh, they played TSM and you put him on the LeBlanc, this kind of, you know, super carry champion, potential, a lot of solo kills. That was the main thing that people were talking about with MNS coming into his time in the LCS was this guy gets a lot of solo kills on these champions like LeBlanc. And we saw the damage that he could do with it. Um, so kind of a tale of two different games, but I think we're going to see the TSM version of MNS more than we are the Golden Guardians version moving forward. At least that's the hope, right? Not a lot of data to go off of. The The interesting thing for me is that with MNS going in, what I wanted to see out of Cloud9 was more priority in the mid lane to allow Blabber to invade and be more of that annoying Blabber that we know, like, he is always in your face. I'm looking to fight. Uh, where are you? I'm coming to fight you. The, the thing about that game against TSM, though, is like, Laning phase hadn't even started yet, and they were already invading the Raptors camp. Blabber was, they were like, Cloud9 was committed to invading before there was any such thing as, like, mid lane prio or anything like that it was like they took the counter pick with the rengar and decided to try to find elise and if elise wanted to fight rengar would win or you force elise onto the other side of the map and they split the map so like i want to say oh nice we're seeing cloud nine going back to their more aggressive ways i just didn't really think that had anything to do with mns whether he was there or diplex that's fair but i i do think that you know the agency that you get in the mid lane from you know early aggressive champions versus control mages can free up your jungler just to be able to do those things in case something goes awry. You know, you're usually going to be the one that has priority and, and lane push. So I think the the game that they played against TSM was exactly what they needed to do. And as you mentioned, getting Blabber back on the aggressive side of things, when was the last time we saw jungle Rengar? Like that was like the last time they reworked the champion, basically, you know, there's been yeah. some, actually, I guess there was like season 10 worlds like SOFM, but you know, that that's oh, that guy's like a one. Did he play tank Rengar? Was yeah, he played or... he played like Sunfire Cape Rengar or something like that. Yeah, well, and it, it looked like Blabber was going to be considering that at the at first because he was building like Kindle Gem. He was building just tank items. He had a Null Magic, he, and then I guess he had a kind of went like pseudo tank. Yeah, we didn't know what the hell he was going to do, right? We didn't know what he yeah. was building. It was just like, oh, it looks like he's going some sort of tanky sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that was hella exciting. I liked seeing Blabber on the Rengar. That was pretty cool. Um, I guess I I guess I'm still not sold on MNS yet. I I don't think there's enough data. I think the LeBlanc play was really nice, where he sticks around and he ends up picking up the triple kill. He was kind of styling on TSM. At the same time, I don't know if the other if like better teams really let him get away with that. Like I don't know if FlyQuest or Golden Guardians, I guess now or I mean, I guess honestly, Jojo Pion would probably let that happen. I can't throw EG in there, but you get my point, right? That like, if you style on TSM, I'm not sold yet. I guess is the point that I'm making. Yeah, man. That 
That's fair. Um, Can't really disagree with that. Overall, you're happy with MS over Diplex so far? I know it's early. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the style definitely can free up Blabber a little bit because we basically saw Diplex, you know, he, he was a solid... By saying that he wasn't winning lane, that doesn't mean that he's a bad player and can't win lane, but he wasn't necessarily winning lanes. He was just kind of going even and trading for farm, and quite often he was put on the more reactive style of champion than the more proactive style necessarily. Yeah. Um, and you kind of just saw in almost the entirety of Cloud9's first half of the round robin, they didn't play for mid at all. Like there was no, there was very few mid lane ganks. I don't know what the jungle proximity stat around mid is, but I have to bet that it was probably one of the lowest in the league. And we kind of see that the complete opposite on some of these other teams, like 100 Thieves plays heavy for mid control. You see a lot of, you know, ganking for mid run like teams like Golden Guardians, even FlyQuest sometimes, but you know what? Other times they put Vikla on the roaming champions. So it's just, I think MNS will just allow them to do way more things and play to the strengths of the Cloud9 roster, which is Blabber, Berserker, and Fudge. Yeah, no, I agree. Honestly, other than that, there wasn't really too many takeaways for me this weekend. All eyes were on MNS. I think it was, we'll say, a good debut. I will say I think Gory got the best of him in that game, um, but he's kind of getting the best of almost everyone at the moment. Yeah. So it's like, I give him a pass. I give him a pass. Uh, are we good to talk about FlyQuest? Yep. You know, FlyQuest, they're still the top team of the top dogs. They got a, maybe not an easy 2-0 because they had a pretty close game against 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves put up a good fight against them. The only area that I was, uh, we'll say, a little bit worried about in that particular game was, like, Vikla just wasn't really respecting what Annie could do. Like, he many times just got killed because he was just walking up to Annie. And, well, Annie got some buffs somewhat recently and some nerfs to follow, sure, but obviously strong enough to stay relevant in the meta. She's getting picked a lot. And the whole game plan from 100 Thieves was just blow up the, the swing. And Vikla didn't really respect that. So that was the only area that I was like, mm, okay, FlyQuest, come on. I expect a little bit more out of you if you're, you know, 10 and 1 as they are now. Yeah, but uh, Prince uh, Prince still got it. You know, he, he, yeah. he should have ended with the 15, the 15, 0, and 0, but unfortunately got one of those dirty little assists in there. So, But, but, Doublelift had a score like a couple weeks ago of like 14-0, right? And then he goes 14-0 against Doublelift. There's like a little bit of like a... I didn't even remember that or clock that you forgot about that no i completely forgot about that but i mean was that the double of caitlin game we're talking about i don't know which one it was but like 14-0 is a pretty rare score right and everyone was hyped up about double if going 14-0 which they should be uh, yeah it was a caitlin game yeah the one against, uh, against uh, tsm oh no, yeah it was no it was tl you're right it was, t yeah, it was yeah. tl yeah um and then i don't know prince who's obviously there's a, i mean there's some storylines being created around Prince and his how he idolizes Doublelift and whatnot, and then he goes 14-0 against Doublelift. I just thought that was kind of cool. Dude, I've been watching some of his Twitch streams recently. They're actually really funny. Like, he's a funny guy. Yeah, I, I've watched a little bit myself. I think he's funny. Um, they're they're usually pretty late, though. But Yeah, he's playing, like, Champions Q. He was playing, like, a Champions Q game, and everyone was, like, full muted, full deafened, and his support was basically running it, and, like, just his facial reactions and just, like, his little like Korean nuances as his support was running it down. And he was like, wow, and it's so funny, man. Yeah, it is funny. Oh Cause they kind of get like a, whoa, what is this? This is challenger. Yeah. Like what? 
Yeah, North American solo queue is not, or even it was, it was no, it was Champions queue. Like yeah, it was even Champions queue is not the level that you might think Korean solo queue might be. Uh, other guy to shout out, Impact. I thought he kind of just dumped all over Tenacity in that particular game. So the, that was the Renekton into the Jacks, and uh, I mean Impact looking solid. He's back. I mean, it, it's early, but he's probably the best top in the league right now. I'd still give it to Fudge, I think. Remember, Fudge had a really good start to the season. I think I'd lean Impact, but it's close. It's close. Yeah, you got two good top laners there. Their other game was against Dignitas. That game was over by like three minutes. Speed uh, stole the red buff and then just started whacking his head, his Mumu head against Santorin until Santorin died. He just went full concussion mode, just wham, whacked his head against him, and then he died, and then... That led to another kill because they tried to save him. Oh, that game was so bad, man. That felt terrible. Even as, as right Hale after Dignitas caught that win as well, like yeah. as Hale goes FF after three minutes. Oh, I don't know what more to say about that game. They didn't give up Dignitas. They kept fighting. They just kept losing. Yeah, Armut had a pretty bad game. In that one. Not a lot of takeaways from that one. That one was over by three minutes. Um, yep, FlyQuest still looking good. Maybe not as good, but uh, we'll see. Not a lot of data off this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Dignitas had one gold lead that entire game. They were up 95 gold because they, they killed a ward, level one, I think. Mm. With the, So I think that was their Almost only... Some more than that, but yeah. I'm looking at the gold graph. They were only up 95 gold. At one yeah, point, that was the, the highest. First minion, yeah, like a ward and a minion. The minion before somebody else did. Yeah. Oh, it feels bad, okay, man. Let's talk about EG now because EG they go zero two, and honestly, I think we got a point to Jojo Pion on this one. He's back to running it down again, <laughs> dude. So e I guess I have to ask you, JNT, how worried should people be about EG scale of one to ten? Like after you, because we 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 watched. We didn't watch the games together on the on the first day, so we were watching them separately. And then when the next day came around, and you we were in Discord, and you were like, "Did you see how hard Jojo Pune was running it yesterday?" And like, I was watching them, but I maybe wasn't fully watching them. And when I went back and watched that Dignitas versus EG game, Jojo Pune was like straight up not looking at his monitor the yes. whole game. That was my experience too. Like, like, okay, I watched the games first. Like, like you said, I had the exact same thing as you. And I was like, oh, Jojo Pion didn't have that good of a game. And I moved on. And then I rewatched the games again yesterday. And I was like, this guy's running it down, man. Dude, he like, was actually whoa. griefing. And this is a problem because we thought it, okay, first couple of weeks, he's running it down. Then a couple of weeks after that, it's like, oh, Jojo Pion's starting to look a lot better. Maybe we can expect him to start looking like the Jojo Pion. Jojo Pion that we saw last year, like playoffs in summer, and where he's like one of the best mids or the best mid in the league. And now he is just costing them games, right? If we're gonna praise him when he's when he's pogging, we gotta be a little bit critical when he's running it down. And right now he's just running it down. Dude. But um It was actually so okay. funny. The the one to ten thing though, how how worried? Ten very worried, one not worried at all. Where, I'm at where like a seven. Be? I'm at like a seven, maybe. I'm at a six. I'm, I'm at, at a six. I, I'm worried. There's two things that I'm worried for. The first one is team morale. And you might be like, why worry about team morale? They're seven and four. Like that's, here's the thing. I'm going to use an extreme example. When Dignitas kept losing over and over again, we said that like, 
obviously team morale has to affect you that you're taking all these losses, especially the ones where you throw, right? They threw like a 6K lead to Immortals. So like that has to weigh on you. I would argue that for EG, when they're losing these games that they should be winning, it's the same sort of effect. Yes, they didn't lose nine in a row like Dignitas did. But the point is you're losing games that you should be winning. My worry is that like your teammates that are playing pretty well, by the way, Inspired, Vulcan, FBI, like they have to be going like, come on, man. Like so many other games feel like it's just wasted because he's just running it down. So that's the one worry is, is morale. The other is like, I feel like over the course of the whole year, you're supposed to like make progress, slowly make progress as the year goes on and you build upon what you have. And it feels go, like EG's making no progress. Yes. When you go to the VOD review for all of your scrims and for your games and the takeaway isn't, oh, we could set up better for Dragon here. And it's just, oh, if Jojo didn't die, then maybe we could try setting up for Drake. Like those are two very different conclusions that you could come to and so you're not making any progress if the lesson is just oh jojo shouldn't have died there but we didn't so we didn't get to contest this objective like you get what i'm saying it feels like they're not being able to build on anything and maybe jojo starts to play much better in playoffs but even if that's the case i think that's already costing the team some really important progress do you get what i'm saying no 100 it's like you you can't get normal practice and I'm, i say practice but i mean like on the lcs stage when you're playing these games like when you look and, as you say, do VOD review, like it's not normal VOD review because it's not that we fucked up our drag setup or we didn't necessarily push yes. out our lanes here. We didn't do this. It's like, oh, this guy just keeps getting caught. So there's not, not really... Learn from that. There's nothing. It's like, oh, you have to not get caught. But guess what? It keeps happening. So... Yeah. So... I, look, I understand that we could still end up where we did last year where JoJo starts playing great in playoffs, but I do think that, that the damage is done, I guess is what I'm saying. There's already damage done because we're going into week six now of the LCS next week, and JoJo is still running it down. That has to weigh on your morale, and that has to weigh on the progress you're making that you make throughout the year. I think those two are, things are already significantly affected. I, I, just speculating, in all fairness, I could be wrong, but I would have to imagine that those two things are being affected. Yeah, definitely. On the flip side, I think the rest of the team's playing pretty good. Maybe someday I'm I'm still waiting for someday to yeah he's carry not a game or two. Yeah, I guess in terms of going into the season, like I, I think I expected someday to be the stronger player of the like someday and FBI like former hundred thieves players, but it's just mm -hmm. it seems to be the reverse. Like FBI is playing very well. Someday he's doing pretty average. Yeah, and the thing is, we don't know him as an average player. That's that's the problem there. He's still, I would still say he's above average. Like, I'd still say he's solid. But, like, last year he was one of the best players in the league. And I don't really think we're getting that from someday this year. Now, there, there could be a multitude of reasons. It could be because top lane is just not as influential as last year. Remember last year, like, Trindamir was meta in, in spring. This year it's like, I don't know. If you're not the bot laner, you don't matter that much. Yeah, if you're not playing Cassante or Orn or Scion, you're playing, like, Jax. I will say Scion can be really influential. Has he played any Scion? Like, you're not, you're not carrying games as Scion, but you are definitely influential because that champion yeah. is busted. Especially when opponents are picking Cassante and... Cassante is the king of tanks, man. Don't pick tanks well, when Scion is good. Or Scion is I think up. he's the best tank right now for, for top lane. I would 100% yeah. agree with that. Um, as far as like him replacing Impact, I will admit, I thought he was going to be an upgrade. 
a, a lot of people say that impact one of the best things you get out of impact is that he's a voice right for the team which i completely agree with by the way i just think that eg wasn't that much in need of a voice now you could argue you can never have too many voices on your team and that's fine but like you have inspired you have vulcan those are two guys that i trust being able to be the voice of this team where i thought that he would be an upgrade is he's got a little bit more carry potential than impact had maybe less of a voice but what he makes you know he could make up for that with being able to take over a game and we haven't seen that and so i i kind of think that Impact would have been the better route. I think they kind of downgraded a little bit, even though I thought it was an upgrade. Yeah, it. it you know, I, I stole a thing on paper. It's not a downgrade, but just as of the way that I, I think also Impact's current performance is definitely swaying that pendulum more to the Impact side. Absolutely. You know, even though someday is playing, you know, average right now, and we view him as an above average player, I think. You know, this it, you know it, it multiplies when you take into consideration that Impact is playing better than ever now on FlyQuest. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, CLG. Yep, we got CLG. You know, we doubt them every time, and then they come back and they get a two zero week or a perfect week, and then we say nope. they're good, and then they go zero two, and then we're back to being bad. So they got the two zero, but what do we say now? So to influence their next week results. We did not doubt them this time. I didn't take them to beat TSM, in all fairness. I predicted TSM, but it wasn't like, oh, I think TSM's going to dump on them. That was kind of like a coin toss. And then they played Immortals. Immortals. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's come Immortals. Uh, Doklo looked pretty good on Gwen. Let's say that. Yeah. Uh, he kind of Scion. Yep. Uh, I mean... I don't even know what to say about that Immortals game. They also had Baron on their side. That was interesting. What did you think about the bug? Or the was it a bug? Did, what what conclusion did they ever come to? I don't remember because when it happened, when it happened, I was like, oh my god, LCS bug investigation. This is going to take thirty minutes. So I got up and went to make food. And then when I sat down, the game had already like progressed another five ten minutes. And I was like, oh shit, what happened? So. so that's the downside because I watched co-stream, right? So that's the downside. And when I went back to watch the, the VODs later, like to rewatch the CLG game, I don't even remember what they said. I think they were just like, oh, game on. I mean, it looked like he, it didn't look a bug to me. Like when, when you've aggroed Baron, like the aggro, like the, the tether aggro range, like will extend beyond its initial aggro range. Like if you're getting hit, like you're going to keep getting hit as you walk away. Like, so you don't think it was a bug? Yeah, I assumed it was probably pretty legit. Like, he was getting aggroed, he repelled up into the air, and then when he came down, he was probably just still aggroed, and then he got spat so that's on. Clearly, that's clearly the ruling they went with. I looked at it, and I thought it was a bug. I thought he was way too far away from Baron. I didn't know how, like... I figured aggro would reset when he's repelled in the same way that a turret does. That's what I thought, anyways. Maybe I they're... Thought... It's probably spaghetti code, and they're diff they're not coded the same, I would assume. Probably not, apparently, but but you get why I would think that, right? If you repel with Elise yeah. and reset tower, why can't you do that with Baron? And that, well, that didn't happen. I saw Baron try to hit the Elise while she was repelled. Obviously, she didn't take damage. She was repelled. But then when she came back down, then she got hit and tied. And mm -hmm. that's when the pause happened. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about CLG. The Immortals game is like, I can't really learn too much about that. Um, who else did they play? Immortals oh, right. and TSM. TSM. Uh, I guess their bot lane. I'm looking at my notes here. Their bot lane stomped them. Uh, Luger and Poom were up 30 CS against TSM's bot lane. I, I don't know. 
Uh, and I thought, yeah, they, they front to back better than the TSM in that particular game. That was the only difference there. Yeah, that was like the, the fake newscast and pick. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, that kind of showed where Scion can be super OP. I think that was the reason why they front to back a lot better is Scion. I think Scion is nearly impossible to kill, yeah. and he's the better tank. So who's going to die first? Not Scion. The yep. other tank is going to die first. Mm-hmm. So that was CLG. I, not too much to take away, in my opinion, from this weekend. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself because they beat Immortals. It always uh, it always PSM. feels weird because when CLG like plays a bottom team, when they win, it's like oh, okay, CLG won. Like you know, sometimes they're good. They beat the bottom teams, and when they lose, they're like oh. CLG lost to a bottom tier team, like obvious CLG move. So it feels like the only time that we learn things about CLG is when they play top teams. Because when they play a bottom team, either outcome is expected, it feels like, with CLG. So going into a match against a top team, when you expect them to lose, and that's how it seems like it's easier to judge their performances. I don't know. CLG is just a weird team. Like, Yeah. I, it's, no, I agree. It, they, we, it's weird. I don't even know how to explain it. No, I, that, that's why I said last week, I'm not allowed to be surprised by anything CLG does anymore. Um, no, I fully accepted they could beat any team, they could lose to any team. And that is the CLG way, and that's the way it's always going to be. Which is good, honestly. It's fun to watch. Uh, let's go 100 Thieves now. Yeah, 100 Thieves, uh, in my opinion, I think should have went 0-2 this week. I, I think TL should have won that game. I think, unfortunately... The inexperience of Team Liquid from the carries, as usual, of Jan and Harry kind of costed them in that one. And I guess you could argue then in the reverse, the veterans and 100 Thieves prevailed. So the weird thing about 100 Thieves, I've been thinking about this for a while, and it kind of felt a little bit confirmed to me this weekend, is they're actually really good at playing from behind. The problem with that is like the reason why we know they're good at playing from behind is because they're always playing from behind. So it's like... It's a skill, but it's a skill you don't want to have to utilize too often, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so people might be like, what, what do you mean by they're good at playing from behind? I mean, like, when they need that pick, if the other team has Baron and they're 1-3-1 against you, 100 Thieves won't sit there and let you siege on them with Baron buff. They will find a way to engage on you, kill you, and put a stop to the enemy team Baron buff. That's one thing they do really well. Another thing is, when someone is threatening Baron or Dragon, and 100 Thieves doesn't have vision, as the team that's losing usually does not have vision, they do a really good job of understanding where they are going to get flanked from all the time. They they always are able to approach in a way that if they're getting flanked, they get a ward on that person. They spot them before the flank can happen, and they're able to uh, disengage the fight uh, before they get absolutely wiped. So those two things alone are what really, in my opinion helps 100 Thieves stay in these games that they should probably lose. Now, to your point, TL kind of threw a little bit in that game, but I think there's definitely some credit to be given to 100 Thieves for being able to stick around in that game, finding Harry when he's trying to flank and so on. Yeah, and to be honest, on the flip side, 100 Thieves actually probably should have won that game against FlyQuest the way that it was looking. So if, you know, with the what I thought the one game against TL they should have lost, in the complete opposite direction, they probably should have won the game against FlyQuest. You're saying their one and one should have been a one and one instead. I guess yes. <laughs> I got no. It's it's a fair point though. But in that game against FlyQuest, even though they are erasing Swain in the most part, all it took was one little mess up where Bjergsen missed the Tibbers, 
which I don't even think was that big of a mistake, but it yeah, did the, hurt them in the, that team the fight. Bigger the bigger mistake was double of getting one tap. Stepping into the middle of the lane and getting Vi queued and ulted, and that was the big mistake, which I don't know, man. I can't, because I did think that double lift was one of the reasons they lost to CLG the prior week, and now I think he's one of the reasons why they lost to FlyQuest. I, you can only give so many passes. Don't get me wrong. He's been great in laning phase, but so has Jojo Pyun, for example. He's been great in laning phase, and then he's throwing the games later. Yeah, like... Of course, Doublelift isn't throwing nearly as hard as Jojo has, but he's still costing them some team fights and ultimately some games. Yeah, like, no meme. Like, his, like, mechanics is probably why that he lost that game against FlyQuest. Like, on three separate occasions, that entire game, like, he step, he's purposefully stepping up in team fights, playing as Zaya, ready to either flash or ult whatever incoming CC is going to hit him. And it's clear that that's what his intentions are. You, you can go back, watch the team fight, slow him down. But you see Double if actively walking up to these engages almost every single time and just being too slow on the reaction to press his flash or his ult button. So, like, honestly, no meme here, but, like, boomer reactions is probably why they lost. Okay, I'm going to give you... This is not necessarily my take. I'm just going to go full copium mode here, and you could tell me whether this is legal or illegal, okay? Okay. Coming into the season, 100 Thieves has two rookies. They're not necessarily supposed to perform, and they got an old veteran in Doublelift who hasn't played for two years. It's perfectly normal that by week five of spring split, Doublelift is not playing to the level that we level that we've seen out of Doublelift in the past. So it's totally normal if spring is just a wash and 100 Thieves shows up for summer. Legal or illegal, JNT250? I mean, I think it's legal just because nobody expected 100 Thieves to be the best team in the league anyway. So uh, I don't know. I and maybe, you know, I I, I understand why you think it's legal cuz spring split doesn't matter meme and everything, but you know, it's borderline though, isn't it? Because it's like this was the narrative going into the year. Yet when I see him just die in the middle of team fights, I'm like, nah, you can't be doing that. So it's like it goes against every thought that I had coming into the year. I mean, you're not wrong, but I would also say that since they were never like, I think most people had this as like the fourth best team in the best case scenario, the third best team. You know, because yeah. people had teams like EG, FlyQuest, even Team Liquid, even Cloud9, depending on how you felt about them. I had them as the second team, so, you know. So I, I would say it's perfectly fine. Yeah, it is. But it's it's so funny that, like, these narratives are there at the start of the season. And even if everything goes according to plan, to the narrative plan, everything's out the window after you see the game. It's like, nah, double it. You can't be dying like that, man. Come on. Anyway. Uh, I still, th I actually do still think 100 Thieves is a good team. I do. Um, I think they're still, to me, they are on par with where they should be. I actually do believe that. Uh, yeah, I think I had them fifth. It does feel like they are a little bit better than what their record might state because I think they're four and six right now. No, they're sorry, they're five and six. Yeah, yeah. it does feel like they they're a little bit better than that. They don't feel like a below 500 win rate team. Because, you know, even though they're basically at the CLG TSM area, like those are the two teams they're neck and, wet, neck, and neck with, it feels like they're better than the both of those teams. So, yeah. you know, I think it'll be, if, I guess for, for the community and the public perception, it'll just take wins against the teams you're supposed to win. Like, you know, your, your Dignitas's, your Immortals, your, your CLGs, your TSM, and solid performances against the top teams like a FlyQuest, a Golden Guardians, a Cloud9, and Evil Geniuses. 
whether that's win or lose, solid performances doesn't necessarily have to mean wins. You can look good in losses. And I think that's just more, I guess, for my case, like what I want to see out of 100 Thieves. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried for tenacity as well. I, I don't think he's been the greatest as far as laning goes lately, but eh, there's probably bigger things to be worried about, like Doublelift getting picked off in the middle of a team fight for no reason as well, by the way. Um, I, I, yeah, I think they're okay. I guess just last thing I'll say about tenacity is I think he's actually going to be fine. It, to me, he feels like one of those top laners that... His problem is the macro side of things and not really like the laning and the micro side of things. I actually think he's doing a pretty decent job in lane for the most part. Um, you know, he he's had some pretty volatile lanes with like solo kills going back and forth and can sometimes end up in like precarious lane states where since they're fighting all the time, he can get like pushed off of a wave and get frozen under or like get a big wave crash under and get towered over and whatnot. Kind of like similar problems that Fudge was having towards the beginning of his career, just in terms of not really understanding sometimes lane management and the macro side of things, but still doing a pretty good job, you know, inside the actual 1v1 itself. So I think he's going to be fine in the long run. So he's not a player I'm super concerned with. And I guess maybe, maybe I'm coping here a little bit and waiting for that summer, that summer split improvement, but I don't know. We are coping so hard this take, but coping doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It's okay to cope sometimes. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how they do. TSM. Uh, they go O two. Yeah, they took some. They took some unfortunate L's this weekend. They lost to right. There was a CLG game, and then there was the C nine game. The C nine game was. It was interesting because so I'll remind people that Blabber invades level one to push them out of the red side uh, jungle, mm-hmm. out of the red buff rather red buff jungle. Force Boogie um, to his top side. Yeah, and the thing is, I, I actually liked what Boogie did was you would think that he would just stay on the top side of the map and take those two quadrants, but instead he actually, I think he cleared a camp or two and then wrapped around bot, to just went right through lane to gank bot. And I thought that was okay. I just don't think the ganks went that well because the Nautilus was like, uh, I think even missing hooks. And then then he hooked a wall at one point and then flashed on top. Like the, and the then, ganks were <laughs> not clean from the Nautilus point of view. And then Zven kind of just up died. And, yeah, but... up until he mind controlled Zven to walk back in. I like the, I guess what I'm saying is I liked the idea of sticking to your game plan and not letting Cloud9 push you off of your game plan, which was clearly to gank bot and get bot ahead. But uh, the execution wasn't the greatest on the ganks, I guess. Yeah, to me, I completely agree with what you said about what Boogie did because it felt like. Boogie just kind of took the L and was like, shit, my red my red quadrant's fucked, so now I have to go to my blue quadrant and debate whether or not I go invade his red quadrant, because one, they made it harder to counter jungle with the new jungle changes, and two, Blabber could easily do red to red, and playing a champion like Rengar, you're never going to beat Rengar in the jungle in an isolated 1v1, so I actually thought it was really smart what Boogie did, basically just saying, ah oh, shit, the only play that I have is to run at bot lane, because if Blabber does the the most optimal thing possible, which is to run red to red, I'm going to get shit on. So I go bot lane because Blabber can't counter gank. So I thought it was actually really smart. But like you said, execution, not the greatest, especially when it came to Chimes Nautilus, because apart from mind controlling Zven to walk back into the hook, <laughs> it was pretty... And, and like Blabber was just running it down two times. Like this game is a complete wash. Yeah. I will say the the areas that I was a little bit disappointed with TSM is... So C9 takes the Rift Herald. They're not able to pick up the eyeball. 
and then TSM is like, we will not let them. We are we are dying for this eyeball. We will yeah, not that... let them pick it up. And you just give C9 a fight that clearly they want to take, right? The Rengar was obviously ahead of the Elise after the invade and taking more camps and some not really successful ganks happening. But like the Rengar is going to be ahead. So that to me wasn't really a surprise that TSM lost that fight. And I think they got a little too focused on trying to not let c9 pick up the eyeball and they got hard punished for it and that was when the game was pretty much over at that point yeah also mns kind of embarrassed them when he got that triple he did he was breaking ankles that was really embarrassing <laughs> yeah it was i it's... don't know to me i i guess what this did this, this weekend is it kind of put tsm where they should be I had them ninth coming into the year, and I think they're probably going to sit around seven, eight range. So this, this to me, kind of feels like where they should be six, seven, eight range. Yeah, they're five and six as well, right? Yeah, yeah. They should sit around where they are now. So all is right with the world. All right. Um, I guess we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll. Oh Jesus, I can't speak. We'll move on to Team Liquid. My M's aren't working today. Um, we, okay, we... JNT. What? What? Team Liquid. Well, I was going to say, we did discuss the team a little bit already in the 100 Thieves se section. Presumably because I thought TL should have won that game. I don't know. It, it felt like they were actually playing a pretty good game for the most part. But they just kind of lacked the, the oomph or the chutzpah post 30 minutes to just start like doing things. And they really just kind of gave up control of the game, it felt like. They played too slow in that game, yeah. right? So I agree with you that they should win that game. However, that's kind of just been TL this year. Like, isn't that the story of like half of their games? Like, oh, they should have won that one. I guess what I would say, though, it was like it wasn't traditionally TL's been throwing games by like somebody like making a big mistake. And it was more just like, as you said, playing too slow and not taking yes. control and playing to win the game, just kind of playing not to lose the game. And maybe it's because of that fear that sets in because they've thrown so many games like, OK, guys, let's slow it down. Let's not do anything like too random. Let's just try to play as clean as possible and then that can that can sometimes put you into the mindset of just like oh giving objectives if it's not looking like a good fight not wanting to go for these like you know 70 30 60 40 plays only looking for like 80 20 plays and stuff like that so i think that's a really important distinct distinction to make this loss this throw was not like the other throws um yeah, that, that is important to make. They just played a little bit too slow. And like I said earlier, you have to give credit to 100 Thieves for knowing how to play from behind. Anytime TL set up for Baron, they had vision all over the place, and they still could not find a way to flank. Harry kept trying to flank, and 100 Thieves just knew where he was every time. He sat at the blue pit. They found the, they put the ward over there. Oh, found him. There he is. Even the one time Doublelift did the little int actually at Dragon as well. That was when he slid over the wall. Uh, do you remember what I'm talking about when Sorry. double lift slid? Yeah, yeah. Double lift was playing Zary and slid over the wall. That was okay. First of all, that was another double lift in, but that was that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Whereas like Harry is trying to flank, but they're finding him every time. Double lift just went a little bit insane after finding him. But th that's the point. Is that honestly, I'm not that disappointed with this throw. I think once double lift started to get some items, you needed to say, look, we got to start Baron and make them fight now before he hits another item spike. And by the time they were ready to fight, it was just too late. Doublelift had already scaled, and Victor had already scaled. Bjergsen was putting out a shit ton of damage in that fight. And so I think, yeah, Team Liquid just waited a little bit too long. Yeah. It, it, with the whole flanking thing, it felt like it was good on both teams. Like, Harry, for the most part, in the entire game, was doing a really good job 
of finding those pockets of no vision from 100 Thieves. However, as you mentioned, 100 Thieves doing a good job of recognizing, hey, we only see four guys. Where is this other guy? Let's make sure we're checking our flanks. So, Yeah, and I, I need to ask the question, JNT. When does Team Liquid abandon the plan? The we're going to outwork everybody else plan? Because that's, that's the story that we've been sold. Um, I don't think five weeks is is enough to say that the plan didn't work but there has to be somewhere where you draw the line and say look you might be out working everyone but the results just aren't happening when would you give up on this plan this roster or or, or anything like that yeah i mean i guess it's i wouldn't I'm trying to, I'm not, i was about to say it's similar to eg but it's not similar but it, it's a little similar because they're not really doing any improving like summit is still making the same mistakes that he was on cloud nine tl They've been throwing a bunch of games that hasn't fixed. So I guess I would say if Team Liquid just can't get over this hump of, you know, finishing a game, you know, when they go the rest of the regular season with, you know, throwing some more games and, you know, who knows, maybe they can slide into the to the playoffs as a sixth seed or the fifth seed because I know they're, what are they, they're four and seven right now. So they still got, there's still two games behind a playoff spot with six more games to go. And that means you have to basically go, three and three or better and three and three you would need some help probably have to go four and two or five and one so you could even squeak into the playoffs but if you still don't look like you know a different version of tl than what we're seeing right now i think that's when you have to potentially abandon it so i actually disagree a little bit um with the part where you said like they're still making the same mistakes I, I don't think they are necessarily, at least not this past weekend. Which I guess I should say Jan and Harry are making the same mistakes. Yeah. Maybe I should say but, that. Well, and, and that's where I want to say, I want to say like Summit is not, he actually had a good weekend. So like there's some areas where you're seeing a little bit of improvement. Um, Pioshek still did get picked off. That was in the 100 Thieves game. That was one of the throws. So that I guess is the same. But the biggest problem with Team Liquid two weeks ago was Summit. And while I'm not willing to say everything's fine and everything's fixed, he did have a good weekend. So that's an area where you can look at some improvement. As far as the giving up on the outworking everyone, I, I give that a full split. I think I don't think that five weeks into summer we can call it quits yet. Not that they have many options that they can move for, make for roster moves anyways. But I guess what I'm saying is I could still see them coming out fine in playoffs. I, I could still see it happening. Um, I'm far less likely to think it's going to happen after what we've seen so far, but I definitely still think it's possible. I think that the outwork everyone game plan, I think that that shows results over the course of a split, not just a few weeks. Well, and I think another thing you have to consider is Team Liquid going into this year or the split even was supposed to be one of the better teams, and I assume themselves they probably had higher expectations. So. Once they start seeing improvements, which I think will happen, because I don't think that this team is as bad as they're currently performing. You know, I, you know, if they had, if they could close out games, they'd probably be like nine and two, eight and three. Like they've had multiple four plus K gold leads that they've thrown this season, like at least like three or four. So yeah, like this, this team could easily be eight and three, seven and four, and we could be calling them a top three, top four team. And once things do start improving. You can also make the argument that to be like, guys, we're going to keep improving because, you know, I think we know that this team does have a really high skill ceiling with players like CoreJJ, Summit, Pioshik, and even the bright spots that we have seen from Harry and Yon. I will admit, I think Yon is 
Jan has been playing a lot better than Harry. Um, and because I still think he's a pretty good laner, like he still mm. lanes pretty well. Yep. Just obviously making some big mistakes in the mid and late game, but you know, it, I think TL is still going to figure it out. But okay, if you do what, abandon it, it's gonna. The only reason you would do so is if there's been no improvement. The the thing is, it just doesn't seem to make sense to abandon it. It doesn't seem like there's that many other options. Um, I, I know someone made the joke on Twitter this week about teaching Whippo some Korean. I thought that. Yeah, was who fun. was that actually? I don't remember who it was. I just Self-made maybe, but uh, I don't know. Can't remember. Um, I I guess that's one of their few options, but. I'll remind people that Bwipo did only play jungle for one year. Because yeah. I think they were one talking split. about him going jungle. One split, not even one year. Yeah. One split. Yeah. And not only that, last year he didn't have that great of a year when he went back to his main role, the top lane. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't be convinced that putting Bwipo in changes a whole lot. Maybe it does. I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't make that change yet. But I wanted to ask you, JNT, what does salvaging the season look like for TL at this point? I mean, so you said they, they're four and seven. They make playoffs. What does they'll the be record good. Look like? So if they make playoffs, that's okay. See, I that to me, for what Team Liquid wants. I mean, I as, as long as you don't playoffs. shit the bed, like I mean, but it, to salvage the season means you go into next, you go into summer split with the same roster, like that. That's because mm. salvaging means you're not like going to blow it up or you're not going to change anything. So to salvage it basically, which means to move on to summer split in one in one whole piece. You make playoffs and you don't shit the bed and look terrible, get 3 0 Because if yeah, you make I mean, the playoffs and you're, you're seed five or seed six, you're going to be playing a good team. Like, if you're the sixth seed going into playoffs, you're likely going to be playing one of FlyQuest, Cloud9, Golden Guardians, or EG. And right now, I think all those teams would be Team Liquid. Even, even the good early game Team Liquid team that we've been seeing, I think all those teams still beat them. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule. They still have some tough teams to beat, but they have some winnable games. I, I guess so there's they played 11, so they played there's seven left for them to play. I think they got to go 4 and 3, uh maybe 5 and 2, but probably at least 4 and 3 to to salvage and to uh give some confidence to fans going into playoffs. I think you got to win more than you lose at this point. Definitely win more than you lose. Yeah. Uh Immortals this team stinks. Yeah, it's uh, we're basically counting down the games until Dignitas passes Immortals in the standing so that Immortals can be our, our, our last team that we talk about every time now. I've been saying it. I've been saying this team, I think this team is worse than Dignitas. You know what? I wanted to post a take for Hotline last week saying that Immortals is is worse than Dignitas. But I I thought I have time to save that for this week. Because I thought for sure Dignitas was still going to lose. They were going to go 0-2. Yeah. yeah. And so okay. I thought it was going to be like a good take. And now it's like they beat EG. So it's like it's, it's lost a little bit of it. Yeah, you could still run with it, but it wouldn't be as spicy as you yeah. originally would have intended. I, I might take it anyways, but I'll, I'll see. Maybe I'll post it. I don't know. But anyways, Immortals is absolute garbage. <laughs> Rather than just flame how bad they are, let's. I want to make a game plan for Immortals. Okay, who do they play this week coming up? I'd rather try to... And they play Dignitas. Game's winnable there, Dignitas. And they play Golden Guardians. Oh, shit. I mean, they okay, can be... Well, so Dignitas. They can okay, be Dignitas. So what's the game plan? How does this team beat Dignitas? What, what's the game plan against Dig? I mean, you play through top lane. That, that, our moot is definitely Dig's worst, worst player now that Spawn is gone. Uh, well, <laughs> fuck. Already shitting on Spawn, and we haven't even gotten to Dignitas. Sorry, Spawn. 
Um, you know what though? The thing is, I think no matter who Immortals is playing against, I think the game plan is to play through top. I think that's why they picked Aurelia this past weekend for well, but for I think revenge. I think they're done putting the game in in tacticals hands. Yeah, well, that is true, but you know, our mood is definitely Diggs' weak link at the current moment. You know, look, just looking at the team in terms of performance now that Spawn is gone, like I said. So, you know, while when you do say that that should be the game plan on it against every single team because of how bad the rest of the team is, like you know, there there are some other teams with weaker mid and bot lanes that you could play through. And the other thing I'll say about Immortals is even though they're still looking pretty bad, I, I do think Olive has looked a lot... Like, Olive had a really rough start to the split. He was, like, the biggest inter of week one, maybe of week two also. I don't really remember. And Olive has kind of leveled out a little bit, whereas, like, he's he's not really making that much happen, but he's not absolutely sprinting it anymore. Maybe you could put Olive on something that... I'm trying to think of something with mobility. So that he yeah, not Victor. Mid, not Victor. But something that could also roam so he could help out his top laner. Talia. Can he play Talia and not get picked off, though? Talia's not that mobile. I mean, she's got her passive. A ghost summoner spell for mobility. Yeah. That's what he needs. He needs permanent ghost. He needs a third summoner spell. Okay, so the game plan against Dignitas and Golden Guardian. I guess Golden Guardians is you got to play through top, and Licorice is their weak link. So I think in either one of those games, you put a Blaze Olive on, we'll say Talia for now, someone who can roam, and you let uh, you give you need to get revenge the counter pick, and I know that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win because he doesn't always win the laning phase. I think that's their best chance. Um, you know what they could do? They could Bronzodia bring back Camille Gallio. No, oh, buy Gallio. Gallio is good. I need we need yes, some more Gallio. Meta buy Gallio. Camille Gallio. Whatever. That's that's the game plan. Please do the good Gallio build. Phase rush with Night Harvester, not aftershock rod of ages. JNT, are they going to get another win? Or are they going to stay below if the two they, If they pick by Galio and do good Galio with Phase Rush Night Harvester, they'll win a game. Guaranteed. Really? Have we seen any Galio? Yeah. Diplex played a Galio game. Maple played a Galio game. But they both went okay. terrible Aftershock Rod of Ages. Oh, no. How dare they? <laughs> Dude, just look at, look at Faker. Look what Faker did. Oh, be Faker. I forgot about yes, that. Yes. Watch the Faker VODs, bro. Okay, well, Immortals, there you go. We made a game plan for you. Dude, I'm telling you, people do that. One guy built Everfrost on Silas, and now all the pros are back to building Everfrost on Silas. We just need Faker to play Galio and just go back to Ghost, Phase Rush, Night Harvester, and everybody's going to do it. They do forgot. Pros, do you think pros like Faker are always, any anytime they're like hesitant to try something new because they're like, dude, as soon as I try this, I'm going to ruin solo queue for so many people. Like, if you ever try something different, because who doesn't want to see what Faker's playing? Well, or Caria. Yeah, or the, the, yeah, remember the, the Caria article. They, so, guys, for the people who don't know, there was like a Caria interview, like article on Reddit this past week. And it was right after he picked Varus support in the LCK. And he was in the interview and he was saying, guys, Sorry, the question was, what do you say to all the solo queue players out there who now want to play Varus? And Caria said, guys, you are not Caria. You don't have T1 as your teammates. Don't pick Varus support. That was funny. It's true. It's, fu it is, it's funny because well, it's true. Uh, actually, sorry, one thing I just remembered now. Faker was the one who picked Gragas mid, and now LEC is all Gragas mid. Like, when are we yeah, going to see yeah. it in LCS? Did somebody, wait, did somebody play Gragas mid this week? Somebody did, didn't they, in LCS? I've seen a lot of it in LEC. Nisky's they played it all over that. Yeah, maybe I'm just getting my LEC confused with LCS. I don't know. But they've been playing Gragas Top in LCS, so. Yeah. 
Anyways, Immortals, there's your game plan. Let's go next. Dignitas. Huge. They should be th Dignitas Huge should be thanking game. us right now. We put that they were going to go 0-18 in our title, and like we that said was it was going to happen, like we said it was yeah. going to happen, Dig was going to win a game this week. Yes. Let's this go Dig. was the game plan. Do you feel bad at all for Spawn? He gets subbed out, and then they get a win. I mean, I feel awful. I feel a little bit bad for him, but at the same time, like, I know we said it every single week, but guys, this guy is solo losing them games because of how hard their bot lane is losing. And a, a significant amount of them too. It's like half or something. Yeah. It was like four or five games that you could have to point to the bot lane. Yeah. Um, I, I still feel awful for the guy though. Like that's terrible. You lost nine in a row. This is your LCS career. Like, I guess he, he played like six games last year, but mo still pretty much your rookie year. You go zero nine. Did he win? Out, the team picks up a win. Did he win any games last year as well? That's a good question. Is he never won a up? game? Yeah, I'm gonna check. Is he never won? He's zero and fifteen. Because he played six games. I, I think I remember he played six games. I, I might be wrong at that. You let me know. But... It's not looking good so far. <laughs> Dude, if he's zero fifteen, he won one game. Oh, thank God! Against Immortals. <laughs> true that's the okay. only game he's ever i mean he's won academy games obviously yeah god bless that win god bless immortals thank you immortals yeah it's, um, it's not it's not it's not a pretty match uh lcs match history though okay let's uh let's talk about this team is it different now is that do you look at this team different without spawn like is tomo the savior is a little bit extreme but is this a different team now i i dude i think it is like me too. When you remove like a horrible player from the team and just put in like doesn't even have to be a great player, like an average player, like you could see how different the results are. Like to to look at it from the reverse perspective, go like take this week's game for this week for example. MNS's first game and MNS's second game. Like dude was actually running it down his first game and Cloud9 was just like they couldn't do anything. Go to the EG games. Jojo Pune was actually running it down and playing terribly. And you can see EG just can't do anything. Like and that's similar to what the Dignitas situation has been. Spawn is just losing and getting shit on so terribly that they cannot do anything. And yeah, and I don't think anyone's sitting here going Tomo is like a goat. Like, dude, he's just he's just not he's not horrible. Like, sorry, Spawn. Yeah, serviceable, and I think that's why the team. That's one of the reasons why the team looks very different. Now, Dardock had the opinion that he was getting scapegoated. Look, I don't know, Dardock. Maybe he's seen something I'm not. I, I just have to disagree with the uh, Doc. Is he on Dig coaching staff? I know he's a coach these days. I thought he was in. Was he Immortals coach? That was staff? last Maybe year. Like last year. Oh, I don't know where he is. I, I, you know what I do like? I like that he's standing up for for Spawn. He's doing that. I just think he's wrong. Like, yeah, okay. I think Spawn was absolutely a reason. He's not coaching these days. The last team that he played on was Team Fish Taco. Mm. That was the name of the team. Dude, speaking of serviceable AD carries, by the way, get Johnson out of university and on your team. Why is Johnson Afro not signed by one of these teams with terrible bot lanes right now? Like Dude, Immortals. Yeah, Johnson, Johnson Afro. Johnson Afro. Let's go. Dignitas. Johnson Afro. They had it before they had it in season ten. It worked great. I know. Like, why then, do these guys not have teams, man? In they could, what they, world? They could re-sign Johnson and then sell him for a higher price again like they did the last time. 
it's free money in, in what wor- like in what <laughs> world does johnson and afro not get signed but tacticals on a team oh man you, you had to bring tactical into this conversation I, either one of those teams and he just caught us stray what the hell bro <laughs> why, oh, why, why? come on dude we're not talking about immortals we're talking about dignitas we're talking about bad bottom lanes. <laughs> we're talking about bad teams. It's all what about wild. What about Dignitas Wild Turtle? What are we thinking? Uh, I think I brought that up last week, didn't I? Okay, well, we talk about this. What do we still think about it, even if we did? Yay or nay? Uh, I mean, they went with Tomo. That's fine. I think all you needed was someone serviceable. I don't know if TSM's willing to let go of any of their. I don't know what TSM's plan is by having Sven Scaren, Wild Turtle, and Hauntzer play in Academy or Challenger League, whatever it's called. I don't know what the deal is with that. Not that it's like the worst thing ever, but I, I just don't know how like set they are and like needing them to play together. I wonder I if they did it the purely for like the content because they've been like milking them for TSM content. I've, I've seen. Have they? I was just going to say what content. I've, I've seen, seen. I've seen a few videos of like, it's like old TSM does X and it's like mm. them three. So and Sven Skaren has like a buzz cut now. It's kind of weird. <laughs> really? Yeah, it does. He's still one of the swole bros. I mean, I guess he's not fat still, so... Who's their mid laner? Why didn't they sign Golden Glue if they're just memeing? Oh, yeah. We talked about this, didn't we? I even said... Oh, my God. Did we? What's, yes. Uh, I don't remember. Because that. it was in the Cubby episode, because we asked him about that, like, that TSM Academy team. And that was... Remember we found a thing about Triple? Like, he's, like, an alcoholic or whatever? Oh, but there was... Okay, whoa. Well, don't you, you don't remember Speaking that? Of <laughs> Speaking of strays. Oh, shit. Sorry, bro. Okay. Uh, wow, you stunlocked me, JNT. Dude, who is it, man? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I gotta find this. Anyways, it should be Golden Glue. They should run the Swole Bros. Are we supposed no, to he's like... Dignitas? <laughs> no, I have to find out who the TSM mid is. It's Doxa. Okay, I remember the name because I did remember reading that off, but... I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Regardless, I think this Dignitas bot lane should have just been Johnson Afro. Um, yeah. But, but that would have costed okay, money. Dignitas can't right, spend though. money. Can we talk about Jensen hard carrying that game? I mean, he almost threw it as well, but... Yeah, good shuffles there. Okay, the, the throw wasn't, was, wasn't a five-man shuffle, though. People it said four, it was four, not a five-man. I know, Rafa called five... You know what? I don't care. That was a. It looked call like by a. Rafa. I love no, it. It, it, was, was, it was. It good. was huge. It was so like. It was like the perfect like wall with the terrain of bot lane. Like it covered the entire thing perfectly, and the wall like exactly met where like the fence meets the opposite. Like it was perfect. Dude, it I was, was pixel so perfect. Close to just vomiting on the spot. Like I was so sick to my stomach. Everyone, Kobe, Kobe was, Kobe had me cracking up, man. When they were, they, him and Rafa were talking about how like they hope that they're not caster cursing Dignitas, and then of course they start throwing, and then Kobe just is like, "I am so sorry." I was, I was laughing so hard, but I was also. I, w- I was actually so sick to my stomach watching that game. It was like, no way they're going to throw this. And then Jensen Hero Shuffle saves the day. They end up walking all the way down to the other base. They pick up the win. and all Let's go, Dignitas. Dude, One in ten. I- I've never been so happy to see EG lose. <laughs> I love EG, but that was great. Dig is on the board. Yeah, they, they, they deserve it. Yeah. Also, okay, the last thing I'll say is the one death that uh, Jensen had when he, like, kind of threw when they were in the the enemy base, 
was just a really nice Gragas ultimate. Who threw it though? Who was playing Gragas in that game? I mean, it was someday. Oh, it was someday. Yes, it was someday. So even though Jensen kind of mispositioned, still a really nice Gragas ulti by someday. But Jensen, come on, man. He saved the day though. It's okay. Uh, are we done talking about all the teams? Yep. Ooh, it gets tough talking about them bottom teams, man. Instead, we just choose to talk about TSM Academy, apparently. <laughs> TSM still maintaining relevancy. And the, Johnson the... and Afro, guys that aren't even in the league. Okay, LEC happened. Let's talk some LEC stuff. Because, well, there's lots of, where are we starting? There was the finals today. We could talk about the whole, it's the end of a full split. Where, where are we going with this? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, The finals was today. It was G2 versus Mad Lions for the unaware. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoilers. G2 won. 3-0. It was a complete stomp. I strongly considered tweeting something out when I was lying in bed last night because I was just thinking, like, pretty sure G2 is just about to shit on Mad Lions, and I didn't wake up in time to watch the series when it was live, and I turned it on, and it was in the middle of game three, and G2 was, like, basically in the midst of making the comeback and winning the game, and I was like, damn, this shit's over already? Like, it's only, I guess at the time, it was, like, two-something o'clock, so... I thought G2 would win. I thought it would be a lot closer. Like, I thought Mad looked really good going into the series. It just and felt like, to me, like, they say this in sports, like, they say this in sports all the time, but there's, like, a huge, like, come down after you have, like, a really intense match. And with the really back-and-forth series they had against Koi just yesterday, just felt like they were just going to drop a huge dookie. Caps destroyed them. Yeah. Uh, Ca Caps the is... The pick was interesting. Dude... I think this is maybe like one of the first years you can actually consider like a non Eastern player for like best player in the world right now. I think you can I don't make think he's best player in the world. I think you can make an argument he's right up there with like the other best players in the world. Like he he's in the he's in the top I three, can, I think. I don't think you can say that. And the reason why is just because I can't let you beat up on other Western players and say you're the best player. Like we know there is such a gap between Korea and China and and the rest that like, I just can't as, as much as he is really impressive I, it just I can't. it just feels like he's better than season 8 9 10 caps See, which is like that. that was I when caps was is, like at his peak to me it feels he like he's better than that off right now don't get me wrong but he was so good back then also that's like I, anyways can we put the the goat discussion to bed for for Western Goat now, can it be Caps now? Yeah, not Perks. You're saying? Yeah, you hate for perks? a while it was Perks or Caps, and don't get me wrong, I understand why Perks is in the conversation, but to me it's just Caps. Yeah, and I thought that before this finals, honestly, but I mean, I, I think the discussion is done now. Yeah, I mean, def uh, definitely. Feel free, to, feel free to disagree with me in the comments if you're upset with me saying it's not saying it should be Perks. I, I just think Caps has been. For me, by far the best player that LEC has ever put forward, or EULCS, whatever you want to. I mean, Caps has basically been the best player in the league for six years now. So he also took Europe to back-to-back -back world's finals. Yeah, like pretty much season eight and onwards, he's been the best player in Europe. Yeah, and look, I understand. Like, it's hard to give someone so much praise when their season ends in a loss because, like, they lost both of those finals. But, like, guys, no other Western team is making it to finals when Caps isn't there. No one. That is so huge to me. 
And it did also feel like there was no shame in getting shit on by the teams that they got shit on by. Like, yeah, yeah. I I can't agree with you as far as like he's top player in the world con- contention. I need to see some international performances uh, before I can go that far. But MSI isn't that far away. What we got like two or three months for that? Yeah, I think it's it's uh April. They just announced the dates like not too long ago. Anyways, Caps is looking fantastic. It's really, it's really fun to watch. It's in London, I right? Mad Lions looked really good too, but clearly G2 was like, nah, 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 nah. And they absolutely stomped them. That was really cool. Um, I want to talk about the whole, um, the new format in a way, because I, I guess what I'm asking is, how much of this stomp do you think has to do with the fact that Mad Lions had to play both two days prior? Um, is that some Mad Lions copium? Or is that like, hey, this new format does have some drawbacks here? I think it, it definitely did feel a bit weird that they played three days in a row. You know, like, I would say the way the LCS does it, it's already a disadvantage for the team because LCS semifinals happens the day before finals, right? And I would say that's already a significant uh, disadvantage. But now you have to play two days before, so you have to show what you're playing back-to-back days and give the team that's sitting in finals, you know, time to prep for whatever you've shown on on stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that that's something that's a little bit forgotten here. I don't want to take away how G2 absolutely destroyed Mad Lions. I'm not trying to do that. But I do think it's fair to acknowledge, like, hey, G2 was ready for what Mad Lions had to bring, and Mad Lions was not ready for what G2 had to bring. Yeah, it it definitely the, the playing three days in a row is definitely too much. There should have been probably another week given between like Mad Lions playing two best of fives, one week break, then the finals. Obviously, they probably just can't do that because of scheduling. Yeah, how do you do that? Because right? LEC needs to complete another full another what LEC just did their entire season. They need to do again in only two months and a week, basically. Before MSI starts, because I checked the date, MSI starts May 2nd. It runs from May 2nd to May 21st. LEC has two months and one week to complete a whole nother season. So, I mean, I don't I don't even know what this guy, like, when does LEC start up again? Like, how much, how much of a, a break week. they have? Like, I don't know. We they're not playing play. next week, are they? Like, are they back I to... I have no idea. You let me know. I'm just going to go on Lolly Sports, see if there's anything and, there. And so, here's what I want to say. Even though I, there's obviously some upside to the new format that the LEC is trying, I just hope that um, people don't get too lost in the hype around because it's exciting. When the best of three start, that's when it starts to get really exciting. I'm totally down for that. And if the LCS says, hey, we want to do that format, I'm okay with that. I just, I really hope that all of the uh, the pros and cons are both weighed before the LCS decides, hey, you know what? We like what the LEC is doing. Let's hop on board and do that. Because I, I do think that that is a problem. And, and maybe you're just willing to say, you know what? It's a problem we could live with. Yes, it's a problem, but it's worth it to have the best of threes and then the best of fives because they're so hyped that it's worth the cost. Yeah, I would say, um, just to confirm, by the way, LEC, they have a one-week break, and then they start up again. So they're not playing next weekend, but they are playing in, in two weeks' time. One con that I would say, and this was a conversation that a lot of Western teams have been having for a little while now, um, in the form of burnout, like, feels like LEC is going to, their schedule is even going to be bigger than it used to be, because they're going to have only a one-week break. Like, for like take, G, take G2, for example, they played the whole entire stage, 
was the number one seed going into the whole year or going going through the whole split. Um, they made the finals. They now have a one week break. They start the next season. They do an entire season again, G2. Let's just say they win it, for example. Then they instantly go to MSI, play MSI, break, summer split, worlds, break. Like, feels like they have less time than before. And that was already a conversation that G2 had, like, a long time in, like, season 10 when they were saying, guys, our players are super burnt out because of the full year that we just did. Like, this full year is going to be more than a normal season. So that that's one con, I guess, I would throw with the new schedule because even though... A lot of people feel it's better that the LEC is playing more games and more best of series. It feels like there's less free time, and they're also playing on three days a week now as well. It's possible. So, so that that's another con is the three days a week is you're asking your fans to invest three days to watch games. You know what I mean? Which for the fans that want to watch and are looking for more league, it's it's great. You know? Oh, sweet! I get an extra day. So like that could be put in the con or the pros and cons section if you ask me. The, the playing three different days as far as the burnout part goes there could be the argument that it doesn't produce more burnout just because you have the same amount of off days for example like sure the games that you're playing more lec uh games you are playing more games but it's still like that day is still dedicated to league regardless like it's not an off day anyways i, I guess what i'm trying to say is would it make any sense that it, does, it doesn't make more burnout because they're still playing the same amount of days and they're still thinking about League of Legends the same amount of time, just their games are more meaningful? Or is that not a fair argument? I don't know. I, I guess... I mean, the, the other thing that you also have to consider is not every single team in the LTC is G2 and they're playing yeah. fewer games and fewer series. Like, Fnatic and Excel, you know, they only have played nine games the entire year. And how many games have Mad Lions played? Because... They've been playing a shit ton of games. Like, I, I just, out of curiosity, I just want to check right now. See, that could be put in the pros section as well. I mean, it depends on who you are. It's a con for Fnatic and Excel, but it's it's a pro for the fans getting to see the good teams play more often, right? So that's that's one of the benefits. Yeah, Mad Lions have played... They've played a lot of games. Hold on. Like, if this format was put over into the LCS... I don't think we'd be too upset if it's Dig Immortals that stopped playing. Like, we didn't have to watch those teams play much anymore. I don't think we'd be too upset with that. They played 29 games. Yeah, so that's a that could be yeah. a good thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if burnout is a problem, then it's obviously a bad thing. So that's mm -hmm. something I think that needs to be monitored as well. It just seems like there's so much to these new formats that it's like, I don't know how to feel about them. Yeah, Even and having the finals today in the studio is like, don't get me wrong, the crowd was fired up, but like that's a small little crowd, whereas like you're not filling up a stadium anymore. How much does that matter? Yeah, I think to our understanding right now, there's only going to be one like finals abroad for the LEC because it's they're going to have it, which is like the mega playoffs, basically. Like they have yeah. they have the three regular splits, which will all produce a champion which they're not going to be doing in like a, a finals location. And there's like the mega playoffs. What do they yeah. call it? I forget the name, but I remember I coined the term mega playoffs when we talked about this. So I don't know what it's called. Honestly, I don't remember. It's interesting. I guess another thing that uh, is notable with the whole new format in the LEC is this little mini off season that we have now. Yes. Only in the LEC, basically, because all the rest of the leagues are still in spring split, still in the middle of the regular seasons. However, LEC is now complete. And teams are already starting to consider roster changes. So for 
the LEC teams, they have basically less to choose from uh, in this mini offseason, if we want to call it that. It's a little awkward, isn't it? Yeah, it feels weird. Like we were talking, we were talking about making trades in LCS, and you know, it's like, oh, there's like there's such a limited amount of like players to even get to begin with. Well, guess what? When I consider stuff that in the LEC, that pool is even smaller because yeah. they're not playing games; they're trying to make moves. But teams are still in the middle of their own seasons. Yeah, it, it is so so awkward. And th- what's interesting though is maybe you can help me out here with memory here, JNT. Didn't Fnatic like? either last year or the year before have like an awful start to one of their splits. And then they turned it on as the split went on. And then Could they were like, thinking maybe of they ended up going to worlds or something. Be thinking of season nine spring when Fnatic was like doing that really terrible. That was when they were like three and seven and they finished like winning nine games in a row or something like that. I don't know if that's what you're thinking of. I don't know if you're thinking of, but I guess, what the point you just made should also illustrate what Fnatic is because they always start off like shit and then get better throughout well, the years. So the, the point that I'm getting at is it makes me wonder if maybe these teams pulled the trigger too quickly. Like if because Even, the split is so short, like it's just chalked up as a failure. But like if it was the spring split, they would still be playing and still trying to figure out what their problems are and fix them. And maybe they could have had a fix. It just makes me wonder if teams are maybe a little bit too reactionary because it's like, well, the split wasn't a success, so we got to blow it all up. But it's like, well, really, you played nine games. Yeah, but I guess I, I guess to play the reverse of that, you know, how many other teams are going to be making roster changes? Like, yeah. you know, even though Excel, and we'll get into this, you know, we'll get to Fnatic in a little bit because they're making roster changes, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um. For other teams like BDS, you know, SK, um, who also like Team Heretics, all the ones that didn't finish in the bottom two, so therefore advanced to the next stage of the new format. But we haven't heard anything about any of those teams making roster changes. So I just wonder if this will be a similar trend that we'll see for the rest of the year and potentially going forward as if only those bottom two teams who don't advance to the next stage, are they the only ones who are making roster changes or how is that whole dynamic going to work? Because I do agree with you that the sped up season could cause more teams to blow something up um, faster than maybe like necessary or didn't. Yeah. You know, didn't necessarily give them the time that they should have had or however you want to frame it. Um, But I don't think that a lot of teams are going to be making changes because the season is starting so quickly. Like there's definitely no chance any team like Koi, Mad Lions, G2 or, you know, uh, SK are going to make any roster changes because they were just playing this past week and, I think we've seen we've seen teams at the top of the standings make roster changes all the time. So, and the other thing that I think you need to worry about if you're going to make roster moves is there's not a lot of time to adapt, right? The, the season, the the initial season, the first part is three weeks long. You got three weeks of three games each, and it's like how many times have we heard of teams say like, "Well, it takes us a while to gel." Usually, it takes longer than three weeks. Exactly. So you got one week off. I guess you can add a fourth week. Is that really enough to say, like, if Fnatic makes changes or Excel makes changes, which it looks like they're going to, is that, if they fail, did they really have time to mesh? I I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not going to be surprised if it's Fnatic and Excel again that are not moving on to the, whatever the best of three section is called. Yeah, just because they're like, not going to have enough time. They don't have a full off season. The other, yeah, yeah, you're going to go up against all the other teams that kept their roster together. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, we had a couple of weeks to prep 
before the season started, and we're going up against teams that have been synergizing for the last two, two and a half, three months. I agree. It huh? just seems like a recipe for disaster, but I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. But we cannot deny also that the season itself was very exciting. It felt like the Absolutely. whole way because Absolutely. with the limited number of best of ones that they were playing, it made that it made each best of one count even more. And then going on, like obviously the bottom two teams didn't advance to the next stage. You had the group stage, which was, you know, best of threes turned into the playoff bracket, which turned into the best of fives. It was definitely a successful change in terms of the hype and the excitement from a week to week and a game to game basis. But it does feel like everything in between now is much more confusing and potentially, uh, you know, I wouldn't say dangerous, but, you know, it can cause there can be some ripple effects. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's so interesting because I, I think that even though there's so many possible cons that may have come with this change, I still think most people will say it's worth it. Yeah, because perspective, w- it's got to be. Do you think so? Right now, players perhaps that might not be happy with it. So right now, if you had to pick, does LCS do it? Do I want the LCS to do it? Yeah. Or will they do it? Are you? Do you would you want them to do it? Would you want them to do it right now? hesitantly i say yes i think i would want them to make the change i think so as well that we just went over a long list of again we'll call them possible cons that like i would be a little bit worried if they did um but one thing that i will say is a lot of the cons that we are talking about are attributed to the lec now not matching up with the rest of the regional leagues in terms of scheduling and other leagues adopting this format they would also have to conform to the same schedule which would then put the entire world on the same you know dates and timings and deadlines when it comes to making free agent moves roster moves roster deadline locks etc yeah that, is this a tft reference i don't get it yeah for people that are listening they're a little confused he said it's underground time he wants me to play tft with them Give me give me 10 minutes or 15 minutes uh, and he's finest. <laughs> um, okay, what are we talking next? Anyway, anyways, I guess just to say real quickly is I know we mentioned so many cons, but like I love that the LEC came out with this new format because I really think it gave us a lot to think about as to how not just the League of Legends is played at the pro level, but how like formats in general for esports don't have to be the same all the time and change could be a really good thing. So it's interesting. Okay. Well, now that we got LEC out of the way, I say that, but we're going to revisit Europe again in a quick second in the quick news. But quickly, we'll do our game predictions. Um, For the audio only people, I am now down three games to Blue Jay. I am 35 and 20. Blue Jay is 38 and 17. Team Liquid failing me once again. I think this is like the second or third TL game that we've had different where I've gotten it wrong because I picked TL because I had faith in them, but we won't. Drag that on. First game on Thursday, CLG versus FlyQuest. 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 Uh, TSM versus Evil Geniuses. Hmm. Interesting. Evil Geniuses still. I'm going EG. I think, yes, EG, but like I said, don't be surprised. TSM. Jojupian's inting. TSM over EG. No, I said I said EG, but I just said don't be surprised if TSM maybe takes a win here. Hey, look, if EG lost to Dignitas... Uh, yeah. Okay, I, I'm I'm willing to 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 accept that it's possible TSM could beat them. But anyways, we got Flyquest, we got EG, 100 Thieves versus C9. I'm going C9. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna buy. Yeah, I'm gonna buy the MNS stock. Um, 
this is one where I might bet on 100 Thieves, though. I'll have to see what the odds makers are giving this one, because I think this will be a close game. My prediction is Cloud9, though. Gotcha. Uh, next up, Team Liquid versus Golden Guardians. Is the streak going to continue Don't for Golden Guardians? Don't be a fool, JNT. Don't what? be a fool. And pick Team Liquid? Fool me once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going Golden Guardians. So here's my reasoning. It's the same with 100 Thieves and TL last week. I, I think both of these teams can be good. Only one of them has been good right now. And until TL learns to close out a game, I can't do it. So that, that's last week it was like both of these teams were struggling, but it was like, you know what? TL can't close games out against bad teams. Why would I expect them to be able to close out a game against 100 Thieves? And that's the way it went. So I'm going Golden Guardians. I'm taking Team Liquid. Okay, and what is your reasoning? Um, I mean... <laughs> Part of it is just like a pure float, but if we actually want to get into it a little bit, you know, Summit versus Licorice, that is a mismatch waiting to happen. Fair enough. This is the kind of game, even though we've been criticizing Summit for his like over-aggressive play when he has an advantageous lane state and whatever, but this feels like the kind of game where you want to get him on NAR into like some really basic Licorice champion and just yeah, have Summit. Smash him. I mean, I even I think if, they pick Renekton. Nar into Renekton is like probably Summit favor, just considering how proficient he is on Nar. So, and it's Licorice. Yeah, and it's Licorice. So, I pick TL though. <laughs> okay, f fine. I I could see them winning through top. Uh, I'm still going Golden Guardians. Also, Immortals still, I will say don't 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 sleep on Yon and Core JJ. Even though Yon has been running it in the mid late game, I still think this guy is actually good. Like, I don't know, like. I think he's one. I think he. I think he's one good week away from like earning the respect of the community. And like you know, we can leave the flame to Harry. How many TL throws do we need before we? Another two at this point. And th this this throws. this week. I look. I I I can see TL winning it. I think Golden Guardians just looks too good right now. But obviously, they got to play through top. There's no secret there. Okay, you got TL. I got Golden Guardians. Immortals and Dignitas is the last game. I'm doing it. I'm sticking to my guns. Dig the toss. I want to take Immortals. I don't know why. Oh, fucking hell. I don't know what to do, Blue Jay. This is the week. This is the, this is the week where I'm either going to catch way up or I'm going to go down even further. I'm picking Immortals. Fuck yeah, it. You're, you're picking them because you need to gain ground. That's no, not, not, e not even, dude. Immortals versus Dignitas, that is a complete shit show. Like, True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so you got Immortals. I got Dig. Then we got CLG 100. Uh, ooh, 100 Thieves. CLG 100 did as beat well. Them last time. CLG did beat them. I, I, I have a little bit more faith in 100 Thieves still. No way that uh, double if loses to CLG that. two times in a split. Yeah, I refuse. 100 Thieves. Ignitas versus Cloud9. We're both going Cloud9. Yep. FlyQuest versus EG. If this was... If JoJo Pune oh, hadn't ran it both games yeah. this week, I'd be picking EG, but I'm not yeah, going to. Yeah, me too. Me so, too. FlyQuest. Anyways, FlyQuest. And then TSM Team Liquid. I'm going to take Team Liquid. Me too. You're taking TL for the 2-0. They're coming yeah, back, guys. unfortunately. And then Immortals and Golden Guardians. I'm taking Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians, yes. Okay. And we got a little bit of quick news, and then we will close out the show. Uh, yeah, a little bit of quick news. Um, we were talking, hinting to some fanatic stuff. Uh, well, rumor has it, like I said, rumor, uh, fanatic is going to be replacing wonder and Rux with two of their, uh, ERL players in Oscar in, I don't know, a cage set his name on stream, but like, I just couldn't pick up how he said it. 
Oscar Ninin, Oscar Ninin, Oscar Ninin, Oscar Ninin. I don't even know, but Oscar Ninin. Sure, and Advien, former XL guy that you liked. Um, I, yeah, he was good. And also their head coach, whose name is Crusher. Don't know who, really who that is. He's also gone. Yeah, my the biggest worry is like, I'm afraid for what Advien's getting into. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, he's got he reckless. Like, he's got reckless. If you're gonna get paired up with a with an ADC to get back in the LAC, you want a guy like Reckless. It feels like. Yeah, it's just this is the wrong time to join Fnatic. But I mean, hey, you take what you can get, right? Yeah. I mean, anyway, I'd be very surprised if this team is in the bottom two again. I know you said it because, like, and your points are valid about like it's just making not fair roster what they're going into, right? Like, I agree, but it'd be still quite surprising if this team finished in the bottom two again. It'd be a cool story if it they, would be like, pop off. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm down for that. Let's go, Fnatic. Fnatic would turn into but, uh, Fnatic is going to turn. They're going to be the EUCLG if yeah. they start getting if they start losing. Because okay, Fnatic's kind of this, like TSM. Talk to me about this Dardo guy. What is going on with this? What is this story about JT250? Yeah, there's like so this this he's a GM, right? Yeah, he's the GM of Fnatic Dardo. There was a basically who was it on stream that was talking shit about him? Oh, perks. It was it was perks. Um, he was he was on stream, basically talking about how the current general manager of Fnatic, Dardo, basically what I forget what exactly what he said, but I'm paraphrasing here. He's destroyed every single team that he's been on, and made them a tenth place team. And the facts don't lie here because he joined him. He joined Origin in 2016 after they just went to Worlds and were the second best team in EU, and they became a tenth place team in season six. Admittedly, that was after they lost a lot of their good players. You know, what did he have to do with that? Because the players that he picked up obviously weren't any good, made them a 10th place team. Then he went to H2K in 2017, right after they were coming off of world semifinals and were the best team in EU. And then they were the 10th place team. And then he joined Fnatic in 2020, went to world's quarterfinals, looked really, really good. And Fnatic really hasn't been the same ever since, especially with this past year, um, obviously finishing in the bottom two and in the winter split. I just think this is so amazing. Like, I'm not the, I'm not going to be the guy pitchfork. Ah, nobody should ever sign him again. I, I don't know anything about this guy. I just think it's amazing that you could go to that many good teams and then the team is just complete crap. Like, that's just got to be embarrassing, no? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit embarrassing. And then Yamato actually also mentioned on his stream, there was a clip where it was like, he was being told by management. We don't know if it was this guy specifically. Do we know if it was Dardo? No, I he said he just said upper management or something. Yeah, which kind of made me think it might be this guy, I, but that's speculation. We don't know. And he was saying that they wanted him to bench Hillisang, which is like, if you know, look, Hillisang, he runs it down sometimes. That's well known. But you also know that when they're winning games, it's Hillisang finding the picks. That's the kind of player you have. If 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 you sign Hillisang and you're gonna get upset that he's gonna run it down every once in a while, you shouldn't have signed Hillisang. That's just not like. You should know what you're getting. To give context to this a little bit, I think it is important to note that if people remember that Hillisang was having visa problems trying to get to Worlds 2022, so they had to start Rux in the playing tournament, and it was after Rux had played and Fnatic had looked good when he said this. So I was unaware of that, so that's important. That is good. To put a little bit of context there, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's right. You know, I did watch the the Yamato video, so. I, will, I would still say no, though. I would still put Hillisang in regardless. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. you, you put Hillisang back in, but even though a guy had subbed in and looked good for two games, you don't sub out one of the most integral parts of your team. 
Yeah, you don't. Yeah, that was whack. Okay, and well, Hillsang has been consistently their best player at Worlds ever since they've been going to Worlds, so. Fair enough. What else, JNT? Um, other LEC, you know, we talked previously about XL making changes. Um, another team, Astralis, they're rumored to be replacing Dior with Lider, former Golden Guardians Academy mid, and played in LCS for like one week. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for his situation when he went to Golden Guardians. It seemed like he was going to start. I remember, you remember I was speculating that they were going to replace a Blaze Olive? I, I, I called remember. That. I called that. Pat yourself on the back for that one. They played him for like a tiny little bit. That, that was a disaster. I think that was why Danon got let go, if I had to speculate. Danon, the GM of Golden Guardians, was let go after a few pretty unpopular roster moves. Um, they had like traded away Chime. Uh, and then they needed Chime because they had too many import slots to take up. So then Leader couldn't play. It was either you play Leader, but then you have to take out Olay. And they yeah. put in somebody else in the support spot where it's like, if you just would have held on to Chime, you wouldn't have had any, visa, not visa, but import issues. It was a disaster anyway. And unfortunately also for Danon at the time, Blaze Olive and Licorice were absolutely running it down. So that also yes. probably didn't look good. Yeah. Considering so, he had acquired both of those players it was as well. It was such a mess. It was such a mess. And though we, we gave credit last week to Danon for making the trade for River, which by the way, looking pretty good. There were some pretty bad moves and that was kind of rough. And I just felt bad for Leader. It felt like he didn't really get a chance. Went. Yeah, exactly. Right. It didn't he didn't really get a chance with that team. But anyways, he's getting another chance now, so that's cool. Surprise, normally you're not one to like toxic players, but you got a soft spot in your heart for leader, huh? I I don't like toxic players, but anytime someone gets like... Like, that's a shit situation no matter who you are, no matter how toxic someone might be. You get signed to a team a across the pond, you travel all the way to LA... Is it going to want to make you root for Astralis next split? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Because if it just not. if you don't have any skin in the game and Astralis is playing, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I'll root for Astralis. If they're I'll playing, I'll cheer for them against Vitality. <laughs> okay, there, there you go then. <laughs> I'll cheer for anyone against Vitality. I, I think match fixing from Bo is definitely a reason to cheer against Vitality. I, I forgot all about that a few weeks ago. No, I, I can hate on Vitality. Fuck match fixing. That's shit. Okay, last thing of of quick news is something about Team Peace, J and T. Yeah, Team Peace over in the LCO, the former OS region, they got removed from the league for being Damn. unable to field an eligible roster and failure to pay players and staff. So a bit of a Tainted Minds thing going on here. Maybe not as bad as Tainted Minds for all the OG people who know what that is even. But uh, yeah, League of Legends and not paying players and or staff. No surprise here, huh? Name a more iconic duo. There you go. Anyways, and they got the boot. I think that's great. You're yeah, not gonna pay your players. Get these teams out of the freaking league. I'm so fed up with that happening. It's man. very good. Way too many times. It's very good precedent for the rest yeah. of the league, considering there's been very there's been a ton of problems from that league with this kind of situation. Yeah. For people who don't know the whole tainted minds thing, that was in Os. People not getting play, paid in esports. This should be a thing that should have been done like six years ago. Somehow it's still happening. I don't know, man. There was what was the Sola uh Solified? It yeah. was an amateur team, yeah. Sola Fide or something. It was Solified, but yeah. That shit's that's gotta stop. Okay, that is it for this episode. Thank you guys wow, for wow, wow. 
we will be back same time next week live on twitch.tv slash Clown Fiesta Podcast. That is 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. East Coast, 4 o'clock PST. Uh, we will be back live. And uh, remember, hit the subscribe button, comment, like button, all that stuff. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. This has been episode 115 of the Clown Fiesta Podcast. <laughs>